Welcome to Solutions, where men come out of the shadows to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. Today, we have on the show a lover of music, a man of great conscience and thought when he speaks, a leader of men, a man who always organize, plan, and strategize and do the things he needs to be the leader of his household. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the vibes, the man who knows the music inside and out, Mr. Alex Royale. Yo, what's going on, man? What's up, bro? Hey, man, one day at a time, one day at a time. <laughs> 12 step process? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> the COVID process, the 2020s process? Yeah, man, definitely. You ready to drop these gems today, man? Answer hey, these man, questions. Let's do it, man. I'm glad to be here. Let's get it cracking, man. You look a little anxious today, man. I don't know. You look nah, a little worried. I just woke up, man. So, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to get it rolling, but I'm good. I'm straight. Let's get it rolling. What person did you meet or see that gave you the drive towards the man you are today? Who or what Ooh. defined you? Um, Honestly, one person honestly comes to mind. That would be my mom, man. Like, you're talking about being raised in the country and just having manners. Like, my mother always said that she was born in the wrong time period, right? Like, she always wanted to be born with the kings and the queens of England and all of that. So, you got to understand, like, when you're growing up and you're the only black family in the South, in the country, and all of the things that you go through with that, then having, like both of my parents are educators. So I went to school with my mom and with my dad. So I was always around the family, no matter what, day in and day out. But now my mom really made me who I am, man, just with the manners and learning how to talk and just, I don't know, man, just accountability, integrity, you know what I mean? Just everything that you can possibly think of when it comes to, it's not who you are when the lights are on, but it's who you are when 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 nobody's watching you. So, no, nah, definitely my mom made me who I am. Those are the things she used to tell you. Are there any other things that stick to you, like lessons or words she would say to you that stick out? Nah, not not really. It's just kind of an overall type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I, I could say my father as well as far as what it what it takes to be a man and um, some of the hardships that you have to learn. But nah, as far as my personality overall, I, nah, I, was, I would say my mother, just because, you know, it's, it's a lot of things that I learned from her that I don't see practice today, honestly, with a lot of people. And I mean, and that's just even as far as just integrity and manners. Like I learned what side the, of the table the spoon is supposed to be on when you lay out the table, you know what I'm saying? So even small things such as that like but not like my mom was just a super classy uh was is super classy um individual of of manners and integrity and and, and spiritual faith so and that's all the things that i practice today so give me one story where your mom's teachings manifested inside of you and you said mama said to be days like this and i'm prepared for it mm. Man, honestly, when let's see, uh, that's a tough one. Probably perseverance from 
just hardships, like not giving up. Like my mom has been through so much over the course of her life, you know what I'm saying? Up until this point, even beating cancer. So honestly, it's it's her perseverance and faith and in, in things unseen, you know what I'm saying? So that's what really holds me. It's just like, man, like when, when things get really tough and, and you don't seem like you can catch a break, you just keep going. You know what I mean? You got people depending upon you, you're depending upon yourself. So she always taught me to have faith, have faith and keep going no matter what. That's absolutely amazing. Shouts out to your mom for giving you yeah. perseverance. Yeah, most definitely. That is the, one of the major keys to walking through the storm. Yes, nah, she always keeps pushing, man. I get my strength from her, most definitely. Do you have a vision board? No, but my wife does. My <laughs> wife has had a couple of vision boards. I don't keep a vision board only because I, if I'm manifesting something, I manifest it from within. I don't need to see it. I got it here. I got it here. You know what I mean? But no, my wife keeps a couple of vision boards just so she can see it. So, but now I don't have a vision board, man. I know a couple of people that do though, so I'm not knocking them or anything like that. But if you can, if you can give us two goals on your vision board, one that you achieved and one that you're currently chasing. Um, one of them I've achieved has always been I wanted to be able to make money from something a trade that i learned something that i can make with my hands and i've actually done it a couple of times uh one is starting out as a musician um and then the other one it was when i became a photographer like i've always wanted something that i can make with my hands that i could give to the world um one that i'm still chasing is probably financial freedom being able to make the decisions without having to actually go clock in for a company. Um, financial freedom from my own entrepreneurial thing, whatever that is. So that's something that I'm still chasing. Expound upon making things with your hands. Like, what does that feel like to you? Where did you get that mindset from? I learned that from, so, all right, funny story. I was probably 12, 13 years old, right? And I told you I stayed in the country. So my father told me to go cut the grass and I was I was pissed, like I didn't want to do it, right? So I'm out there, I'm recklessly mowing the lawn, like not a care in the world. And I cut the water line to the house. <laughs> so when I cut the water line, now you're 13, you don't know that when you cut the water line, the water pressure in the house goes down. So what I try to do, cut the water line. Let me just cover it up with some grass, whatever. Cut the yard, go in the house, everything is cool, right? Nah, so ain't no water working in the house. Go outside, my father sees it. And he made me dig up the water line that was like four to five feet underground with nothing but a hole. <laughs> so that we could replace it. And he told me that if you don't get an education and you don't work smarter, this will be your life. And so since then, I've always tried to work smarter for myself so that I didn't have to do manual labor for somebody else. Mm. So that 
gave the idea of always having a trait with your hands in terms of photography yeah. and playing music because you wanted to be able to be an entrepreneur. Yes. Mm, shouts out to your dad for that lesson. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. It's, you know, go, it's all the dads. Go get you a hoe and go in the backyard. <laughs> and we're not talking about the ones you pay for either. <laughs> nah, at all. A garden hoe. A garden hoe. Yeah. Because yeah. we live in those kind of times where you got to, you know, you got to separate the two. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. <laughs> but they still all about green. Let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Mind? Do you give yourself any affirmations? You know, I used to, Shane, honestly, honestly speaking, like ever, probably ever since like everything has happened over the course of this past year, um, it's kind of slowed down. I used to have affirmation conversations, you know, all the time, you know, probably something that I need to get back to, but you get so busy with trying to make sure everything's maintained uh, this past year that I haven't really done it, if you want me to be honest. But I used to. Like, I used to have conversations heavy about just speaking things um, and and affirming either whether, whatever it is, aspirations, um, just even a positive state of mind. You know, it's, you just it doesn't matter how large or how big it really is. But no, I used to have those conversations all the time. But it's probably something that I really need to get back to. I haven't fallen off completely because, you know, I'll catch myself even with in uh, negative moments that I that I'll be like, all right, instead of focusing on this, let's focus on on this and then speak it. You know what I'm saying? So but nah, it's not something that I've done regularly, but I probably need to get back on it. So you're saying when you were speaking them recently in your past moments. Do you think you achieved all those goals you were speaking affirmations to and then maybe you stopped because you felt like you crossed the finish line? No, I think they're now they're more so short term, right? Like within the moment, not so much long term as far as something that's being planned for. It's mm -hmm. within this moment, affirm this, affirm this mood, affirm, you know, this, this, this mindset and then continuously practice that because if i can catch myself within the moment of each day then i'll build the habit of going into the next day catch yourself within this moment that way i'm it's not something that seems unattainable or you get down on yourself maybe if if you don't get to it because you, you know what i'm saying like if i said it for let's just say even a week ahead of time something may come up days prior to that week and then you have the disappointment of not reaching that goal. Mm. So everything is always within the moment, within the moment here, catch this moment here, something negative happens, let's catch it now and then practice moving forward from that moment rather than, all right, pushing it off as a, as a goal to get to manage each moment, build the habit up within each moment. And then that way you don't even know that you're doing it on a regular that, and then you'll lead up to those other goals. Absolutely. I think that is a great strategy that you come up with just to be in the moment, but to remember that you have the power from within. And I think that's a powerful source to grab from the God yeah. inside of you. Most definitely. When your character started to build from what your dad did to you in the backyard, giving you responsibility and accountability for accidentally cutting the water hose, you started to think about what you wanted to be from his actions and his words that he, he, he showed you. 
but how early did you start goal setting? Oh man, goal setting probably like once you realize what it is that you're doing, I would probably say in the sixth grade when I started music, when I got in the band and um, maybe even early on than that, just because my father was also my, my, my coach, my middle school and high school coach uh, in sports. But definitely from what I can remember, when I got in the band in the sixth grade and I got my first saxophone and the goal of becoming good enough to make first chair. That's what you always want to be in band. You always want to be first chair. You want to be section leader. So from then on, having to practice every day, being unafraid to to mess up, being unafraid of criticism because you suck and no one wants to hear the squeaks and all of that that it takes when you're first learning how to play your instrument to then ultimately becoming first chair from eighth grade even up until the day that I graduated high school like but yeah definitely sixth grade and band playing M music taught me goal setting music taught you goal setting that is a great way to look at it and you talk about music and you talk about the efforts you put into just being having a man of integrity and I think that is a wonderful thing but what have you procrastinated on and why <laughs> Um, man, how much time you got, Shame? It's a lot of stuff I've procrastinated on. Um, one thing is probably right now getting back into a creative medium of some sort. I have so many ideas, so many things that I want to do that what happens with me, the way my personality is, is that I have so many ideas right so so many that like oh that'll be dope oh that'll be dope oh that'll be dope and what'll end up happening is is i'll put so much in my mind that i won't pick one because i don't know which one to go with first and i can do them all which is the problem right because i'll be mm -hmm. like i can either be really great at one or a good at a lot of them but which one do you choose first which one do you give the most mm -hmm. time the most effort mm -hmm. to the most resources to and so but the ideas don't stop. They're steady rolling in of like, ah, I could do that. Like even right now as it, as it stands, like I without the different styles of photography to do I wanna get back into music? Do I wanna open up a business? Do, do I wanna get into stocks? And you know, we've had that conversation, you know, off mic personally, like, like, so it's all of these different ideas. And so I procrastinate and be like, which one do I pick? And so then I won't pick any of them and time will pass and then you'll go back to it and revisit it and it's just like man so right now it's just which lane do i want to go into moving forward because i've done so many things up until this point so that now it's the the what's next for me i guess is the thing speaking from my experience uh, i do the same thing you're doing I, I put so many things in front of me and then i don't i commit but at the same time it becomes a standstill because i feel overwhelmed about which way to go and I right. think I'm going to be honest with myself and say that that's because I don't want to fail anymore. And I don't want to put resources and energy into something that doesn't work. I want to know it works. Mm. Like most of being a creative is so much blind faith until yeah, you find is. a real purpose that's like, oh, this is going to work. And what I mean, what I mean by work is it doesn't, it, it doesn't have to be world renowned and the greatest thing ever. Right. But working is people actually acknowledging it and you're actually 
moving forward in the base of it. Now, you shouldn't seek validation, but let's be honest. Everybody wants to be recognized for their works. Yeah, because it's our measuring stick of it was successful is other people's opinion. Mm -hmm. To the contribution of the world. And I just wanted to give you that perspective because I sometimes struggle with those things as well. But now that I have the focus of this show and I know men are coming on talking, this is where all my energy is. So I challenge you for this. Former guest Kevin Cohen spoke about the snowball effect about finances, but I believe the snowball effect, if anybody doesn't know what the snowball effect is, is when you take your money and you pay up the smallest bill and then you take the money from that smallest bill you were paying, like a credit card, cell phone bill, car bill, and you continue to snowball all the way up to the top where your highest uh, debt is so you can be debt free. Mm -hmm. Snowball, right? I think you can do the same thing with your goals. Take all your resources and energy and go to the smallest one and then go to the biggest one and go to the next one, the next one, and then you'll have a whole meal and didn't even realize it was coming. Yeah, that's dope. I can see that. Yeah, I just got to pick one, man. (laughs) That's just pick one and go. Finish that out and be like, all right, I did that. Then on side, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. But at at some point, you got to pick one. (laughs) You just pick one, man. Just yeah, no shirt November, man. Just go jump right. in the league. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You gotta pick one. On the road to achieving your goals and music, trying to build yourself personally, what did you sacrifice? Hmm. A lot, man. You sacrifice time, you sacrifice fun in some aspects, sacrifice relationships. Uh, you sacrifice some of your sanity. You know what I mean? So, and then you you have to prioritize those sacrifices as well because like you said earlier, you'll end up being in a space to where you feel overwhelmed, especially if you're trying to do too much. You know what I mean? So, um, like a big thing for me was at the, probably at the pinnacle of my music career at that time my son was on the way so i got this new baby on the way i got this new woman in my life and up until that point i lived my life where music was the sole focus yeah i would go to work but then after work it's music 24 7 regardless resources thought process whole nine interestingly enough my first computer I couldn't even operate for music because I had to make the sacrifice of was I going to pay the light bill or buy the computer? (laughs) So I said, I'm gonna buy the computer and then I'll wait a month, catch up on the light bill. And then, you know, I mean, the struggling artist story, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so, but, um, so when the, when my son was on the way, then it comes in, okay, well, now I have to prioritize the sacrifices because baby's got to have diapers and food and we need a, 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 st- a stable place to stay, all these types of things. So then the sacrifices change to where now I'm sacrificing music for the family. You see what I'm saying? So it's just about really what's most important to you and where you spend your time. But no, I've, I've sacrificed a lot, you know, even just for the greater good of not always having myself as as the priority 
the people around me are the priority and I'll get to me. Like I'll make time for me. So even sacrificing myself just to make sure that everything works. What do you do when your sanity starts to slip? How do you recognize that? Um, I recognize it pretty quick because I'm I'm a I'm a super sensitive artist creative type, right? So I feel every little thing, right? There's really not an in-between for me. Either I'm super chill or I'm super high end, right? So it's kind of difficult always finding that balance in the middle. But when I feel like that, the most important thing to me is my friends. Like my friends are the suppressor of insanity, right? So if I'm not able to just get away and escape, go kick it, you know, chill, vibe, drink, smoke, whatever the case may be, is when my friends uh, play the game or whatever. Like if I don't have those resources to get away from constant work, constant family, constant figuring things out, constantly managing things, that's when my insanity starts to be like, okay, it, because it's, it's not balanced, it's too much of one thing, right? Mm -hmm. I'm overly working, I'm overly sacrificing. And then there's nothing to suppress the the, the day in day out stresses. Nothing release you know? the, the pressure on yeah. the pipes. Like and then yeah, like the and then they threw yeah. a pandemic on top of that. So now so now your whole way of of moving around the way that you used to, all of that is different and changed. So now nah, I my friendships are probably the the most important thing especially when you're not in a creative medium field to kind of get your mind off of it. But even when you're doing that, that can become a job and stressful and press, you know what I'm saying? You can start to feel the pressure. So no, man, definitely friendships, man. Conversations with you, Teasy, um, you know, my friend uh, Upgrade, like just all of that, all of that helps to manage the stresses. And yeah, friends are really important and people who are in the same mind frame as you to validate again validate your thought process yeah, or to definitely. challenge your thought process in no, a productive absolutely. way absolutely because you need some people need to know how to deliver the challenge versus the uh just damnation of what you're doing right yeah no i don't need a bunch of yes man like i i definitely always need people that are gonna tell me what it is and and, and how it is but also offer encouragement because that's the thing it's not just you giving me negativity as my friend and telling me when something's not going to work it's the constructive criticism of the positive reinforcement of like nah you were doing really good at this or why don't you try that you know what i mean like don't just come to me with with negative energy like give me solutions as well as that you know what i mean yeah like I, i've always say that a real good friend will tell you the truth but then turn 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 around and help you so you would yeah. say man i want to I want to perform at Yankee Stadium, man. You're not even big enough to perform in Yankee Stadium, but you, but now it go. But you know what? Here's the application for submission to artists. Let's see what right. we can. But I'm telling you, right. you know, like, but but it but it's not it. Your belief is strong enough, but his works and his actions should show he's still with you, even if he doesn't yeah. really feel it yet. Most definitely. Because a lot of people who manage artists probably don't even like their music. This is facts. Right. Let's dive a little deep here. Dive. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I want to talk about your lowest moment. 
And I just don't want to talk about your lowest moment. I want to know how you got up. This is for the people out there that might be dealing with the same, same situations and circumstances you have been through or are currently going through. So please talk about your lowest moment, but not just talk about it. We want to know how you got up. Um, lowest moment, honestly, let's see. Probably about three years ago. Three years ago, I had personal situations going on with uh, trying to get custody of my daughter on top of working for, at the time, the United States Postal Service, which is, I know my friends get tired of me bringing it up, but that's six days a week, walking 15 miles a day. So I'm going through a custody case. I walk in, I'm working for the post office and I'm a full-time student because I had to get my certification in photography and went to the Art Institute. So, and I'm still a husband <laughs> and I'm still a father. So managing all of that, well, then all of that comes crashing down. I lose my job. And now you have a situation to where you're the provider for this family. You're a full-time student and you're in a custody battle and you have no job. So instead of me beating myself up, because I told you I have to catch it within the moment, because if you don't catch yourself within that moment of beating yourself up and then depression and then mental health issues can start to kick in, especially with being, you know, at that time, I'll say a younger black male in America with all of the things that come with that too mentally that you're dealing with. You, you got a recipe for disaster and not only is your family dependent upon you, but you're dependent upon you. And so catching myself within the moment, like I said earlier, is the way that I handle all things. So I'll literally sit down with myself and have conversations, crazy or not, <laughs> and formulate out my ideas of like, okay, take this step then take this step like write it out you know what i mean and then that way i mean and so i guess to a certain degree me writing things out and and planning the process and catching myself within that moment is my vision board like i visualize it i see it and then i have to practice it and so that's really what allowed me to okay which problem do i need to prioritize first i need to prioritize the money first so get on indeed put out resumes do whatever it is that you can to fix the money problem first boom get a job all right now you got money coming back in what's the next step now let's manage this custody battle all right so then what are all the things that i need to do for that making sure that you know we, we got money for the legal or, or whatever the case may be or taking trips and then okay now is the family good now the family is good and then all right now is school done now school's done so always making a list of prioritizing those things but always catching yourself within the moment that you're not beating yourself up because my mother has a phrase and it's it's i mean it's a common phrase but if he'll bring you to it he'll bring you through it always going back to faith and and always having that faith not just within god or whomever you serve but the faith within yourself that you face challenges before nothing is too big for you to conquer as long as you take it step by step i even heard it the other day on the internet where no one eats a steak whole in one sitting 
you cut it up into pieces and put a little sauce on it and then take it piece by piece. And so that's how, that's how I make it through all of my challenges is that once, because if you start looking at it as the whole, it's gonna seem too big. And you're gonna get that full feeling and now you don't wanna eat, break it up into pieces. And then before you know it, you finish. Absolutely insightful, man. I, I, I think that is a great analogy, break it up to pieces and the next thing you know, you're finished. That's what we talked about earlier with kind of like that snowball effect of just attacking each issue head on with all resources. So you have done it in your lowest moments when it was fight or flight. Absolutely. And, yeah, and I think you're, you're speaking also that sometimes we have to have a cold heart to our own selves. And, and, and for me, I say that because I've seen a lot of things in my life, right? Unfortunately, I've seen murder. Unfortunately, I've seen suicide. Right. And anytime my mind defers back to any moment in time, I immediately cut it off and say, mm. nope, we're not going to think about that right now. Catching yourself and within the moment. Catching yourself within the moment. I had to become cold hearted to my own sensitivities to, to, to avoid the rabbit hole of asking myself questions that can put me in a depressive state. Mm-hmm. And not accepting the fact that the favor upon me was just around and it's still here. Definitely. So anybody out there, that is great advice, Mr. Alex Royale, in terms of catching yourself in the moment, you are powerful enough to turn off any thought that you have and not act on it and not dwell on it. Most definitely. It may take some time, but it is a muscle that can be worked and validated for yourself to prevent you from going to your lowest moment or going lower than your lowest moment you already had. No, true indeed. Life is a series of moments, man. That's it. Manage the moment. How important is to leave where you're from to develop where you're going? (sighs) Huge. Uh, And I was even just in my own experience, uh, I was born in Texas, but then I really kind of grew up in Oklahoma for like the important years, I guess. And at the time, like at the time before, like this is before they had the Oklahoma City Thunder and did all the improvements to Oklahoma. I, when I was there, there was nothing. There was nothing to do for a young black man to do one of three things, sell drugs, have sex or do drugs. <laughs> that was it those are literally literally the three options that you had and things weren't going well for me most of my family was here in texas like my mother and my sisters i was there up there with my father but my father was the type of man like look you grown do what you do you know what i'm saying get out here work pay these bills do whatever you got to do and so things weren't going great. And I made the decision that I just needed to leave. Like I, I needed a better environment. I needed more positivity. I needed more love, if you will, rather than you grown, get it on your own. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, that that can shape your, your views and your actions as well and how you move when you just this lone wolf out here and you don't have any emotional support or you know even financial support if 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 need be so it was it was a tough decision because yeah i enjoyed that freedom i could do whatever i wanted to do i could move however i wanted to move but then when you leave a man to his own devices with no 
shaping of how he should move, then he can land himself in a, a lot of situations that'll be hard to dig himself out of. So managing myself within the moment, I recognize, you know what? Life is not going the way that I need it to go. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I have to move a certain kind of way around these people. I'm always ending up in these situations. Let me just try something different and then actually doing it. So I made the phone call to my mother and I was just like, yo, I just need to drop everything and come there. I'm not going to stay long. I just need to be able to get on my feet. And that was a blessing to even have that because I know a lot of people don't even have that as a resource to just mm -hmm. drop everything, go stay with a parent for like six months and get your own spot. But nah, it was it was me leaving Oklahoma at that time was huge for my life just because I literally had nothing. It was around circles and, and running in situations that I had no business into to now I'm basically just an old regular dude now with, you know, a wife, a kid, a job, you know what I'm saying? But it's it's so stable than what it was when I was just moving on my own. And, and I can attribute that just to, to the love and the uh, emotional support from my family. Yeah, love and emotional support is definitely something that we all need to uh, continue to grow. And, and, and you say, hey, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, okay, let's yeah. do some more. Like, it excites you. People yeah. don't realize that the since you're a kid, they do that to you. Oh, you did a good job today. Here's some piece of candy. Your reward. Like, those rewards yeah. and those things really come and build you up. And, and maybe that might not be the strategy we want to move forward with in the future, but that is what we were raised on. Yeah, absolutely. And 100%. the most interesting thing, I, I I too have visited Oklahoma while on a a tour, and uh, back in my music career. And when I first arrived, we 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 came through Omaha, Nebraska, Oklahoma. We was all in the 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 mid Midwest, Middle East, or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it area. Midwest. And and whoa, I I, I was. Taking being a city boy from New York, I was like, "Where is everything?" And yeah, there's <laughs> nothing there, bro. Nothing. And no, don't disrespect the people who go, please. I just at the time when I went some years back, years back, I think you guys first just got the Oklahoma City Thunder, just got them. So your downtown was a little bit nah, less there, than what it there is was today. No downtown. No, nah, like it's, nah, it's it's way better now. Like oh yeah, I believe it. Listen, it, listen. For la it was the down. I was downtown when it was no down. It was just a town. So it was, it was, it was <laughs> nothing there. Nothing. Nothing. But they had venues and performance venues, and it was a nice place. What you guys had was nice. It just wasn't a plethora of options. What I mean. Nah, nah. It wasn't. You being nice, Sheem. I I was there. It was nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> nothing i'll show you Maybe. some photo i'll show you some photos one day offline i still have video and everything of, of us being oh uh, yeah i need to see that yeah, <laughs> yeah it, they had nothing it was nothing to do nowhere to go like they got all that stuff now it looks good now i remember when it wasn't that so well you're from there so you, you can say that yeah yeah shout out to Oklahoma, though, man. i got a two-part question for you coming up i usually don't have a two-part question on this question but you said something earlier that i want to get some insight on that I don't get from most people on the show in that circumstance. Okay. Let's talk about fatherhood and mentorship. And I want to talk about, first, I would like to talk about 
you being the son and the, the mentee at the same time, how, how difficult do you think it was for your father to coach you in front of others and then be your father at home? I kind of, it's kind of similar to being the pastor's kid. Mm-hmm. You see your dad when he's almighty and preachy, but at home he can turn straight into some black man that you never, oh, a man, period, just a regular man. Like you, like you ain't say that on a pulpit or right. he's giving you coach advice and then you don't see him do the same things he's telling you, like you're watching, you evaluate. People evaluate their coaches to see if all the things they're teaching, they're using. So yeah, I, I, can, uh, I, I mean, at least that's my perspective, but I would love to hear someone who actually lived it. I can actually speak to, to, to both of those accounts because even at some point, my father then became a preacher. So mm. I was a preacher's kid and the coach's son, the whole nine. Um, from his perspective, now as an adult, I can look at it to say that it's probably difficult to manage because what it seemed like as a child was that he didn't turn off any of them. Like he was my father at school and also my coach. And then at home, he was still my coach because he's he's automatically going to be my father when we go home. Mm-hmm. But he was still my father at the school. And that's not just from his actions, but then everybody else, everybody else's perception of the situation. So, and it created a constant pressure because when your dad is your coach, well, now the expectation is, is that when you play for him, you got your spot because that's your dad. So then I have to, now I have to overly work, right? to prove my worth to everyone else that no, I worked hard for my spot. It's not just given to me. But then at the same token, I'm overly working because I don't need to embarrass him. Because mind you, that's the mindset of my family. You represent me when you go out of this house. So I can't embarrass you by messing up or doing poorly. And that's in any aspect, whether it be in school or in sports or in band or whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, my father taught me chess early on. So I was in the fifth grade before I even went up to the middle school and I would come and play the high schoolers in fifth grade. And that pressure is still there even as a fifth grade kid to come up there and whoop up on these high school kids playing chess because that's, that's your dad. He's the high school coach. But, um, but yeah, looking at it now, it there there wasn't a there wasn't ever a distinction of he's dad now, he's coach now. It was really all grouped into one, and I don't know if that would have made it better or worse. That's just kind of how it was. You know what I mean? Where yes, absolutely. Where it's just a constant mindset, and it never turns off. So, I guess that adds to the perseverance in in my personality there there is no shut off switch like there like you there is no clock out you you're never clocked out you're always dad you're always a mentor you're always a coach you're always these things that there's no separation of church and state it's just all one all the time um it got a little interesting the older i got when he became a preacher because like you said earlier it's just like I see you doing these things for these people as a preacher, 
but I know you when you go home. Mm-hmm. And if these two things don't line up, now we got some issues because if you're saying that you're this changed individual and you're telling these people to practice these methods, why well, don't see that when I go home? Like, don't you need to be a preacher at home too? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that was kind of where it really got interesting. But I also realized that, that, let me not be disrespectful. Wait, wait that, let, that, let me cut you off right there. There, okay. is a, there is a time for all men to have to develop. So if he coming home and he doesn't exude the same attributes and skills right. he needs time to develop like, i think turning it on and being a savior all the time could be detrimental and and that's when i learned later on in life that because you still got to think like this is my parent we're talking about and you don't really look at at your parents as people until you get older and start probably dealing with some of the same things that they dealt with that they never told you about and so I was still at a developmental age when all of that was going on and not looking at my father as a flawed man, right? And so I'm holding him to a higher accountability level than probably what I should have rather than just saying, you made mistakes too. It's okay. You know what I'm saying? And I get it. I didn't get that until I got older. So I'm holding him to this accountability level that no one can live up to as a flawed human being, you know what I'm saying? But that was when it got really more interesting, if you will. But no, like being being a, a coach and a father, nothing was ever shut off. He was always coaching. He was always fathering. They they kind of merged. Have you have you ever sat your parents down and interviewed them? Uh no, I haven't. I'll sit down and talk with my mother on occasion. Um but that's more so just to pull from her strength and, and, and her faith if I'm having a tough time. And she's like, I mean, she's so full of wisdom that she like she's always giving me game on how to approach things. And, you know, I'm really glad that I earned a, a position with my mother that we can just talk, you know what I'm saying? And I can learn from her experiences and she keeps it so 100 with me about things even when it's most uncomfortable but i appreciate that you know what i mean i like the fact you said earned a position you earned your respect as an adult in her eyes and i yes. think that's important for parents and not for kids to do for their parents honor that mother and father right even even yes. if your your father is someone who left you who used to beat you abusive it's still a level of respect you should have for yourself to know how to be how you how you how you do not want to be and how yeah, you want to be. Absolutely. And I challenge everyone to interview their parents if they can. It just brings a, a different friendship to the table. When you interview no, them and hear what their struggles were and you hear about them being a part of certain things that you never thought about, that you might've read in history. And they'll say, oh yeah, I was there. I, I interview older men. I interview my wife's wife's father. He was in Harlem when everything was going down with Malcolm X and everything. Like he's there. I remember when this happened and this happened, this type of energy was going on. I remember when Bumpy Johnson and all these people were around. Wow. I challenge you to interview your parents. There's so much stuff going on. They don't, 
they they had to mature also. You're right. And I think it's an amazing thing to interview your parents. Now, let's talk about fatherhood with you. And I don't want to talk about fatherhood when it's all nice. Oh, when the kid came into my life, I knew it was pure love. I want to talk about the moments where I love my kid, but I don't like you right now. What are you doing? Talk to me about the patience you got to have as a parent. Put my put my young mini me on blast. So you know it's it's so interesting because we watch we watch adults handle adversity and some adults handle adversity like children. You know, and I and I, I say that we're all just big kids at the end of the day, right? So we were having um a challenging time, especially during the time of trying to get custody of my daughter. And I could see that it affected him emotionally. And so he went from this kid. Now understand your son is your, your son when he's around you. When he's around other people, he may not be considered your son. And so some of the stories that I was hearing from the school is that, oh, Aiden is doing this, Aiden is doing that. And, and I'm looking at these people and I'm like, that's not my son. That, that like that doesn't even sound like something he was doing. So until I saw it myself on video mm. and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So he got to a point where he was literally throwing chairs at teachers. Mm. He's only nine now. So you're probably talking about this was when he was four or five where he could not manage his anger enough to just sit down, go quietly, blow off the steam. Like, no, nah, he was popping any, any chance that he got. And I remember when I was growing up, when I would have those moments, I had the parents that will go sit in your class with you and embarrass you to make sure that you were doing what you were supposed to be doing and managing yourself a certain type of way. And I actually had to do that with him. I had to go up to the school. I hate parent-teacher conferences because it just feels like such a waste of my time talking to other people about my son and, and, and this person that I'm raising. But I had to go up there. I had to have these conversations. And I actually had to step in and put in a, a, a plan in place for him where every day he had a phrase to say to me before he left to go to school mm. he had to memorize it. And then he had to, his day had to match that phrase and every day, every morning. So once again, we're creating these moments of like, all right, this is your moment. Say this to me. Do you know what this means? Let me make sure that you understand what it is that you're saying. Now go out and implement that. And I'm putting that type of pressure on a five-year-old so that we can change the course of the behavior. Because even when you're a kid now, like four or five, like they're keeping folders on you. They're, they're, they're documenting your behavioral pattern as a child so that every time you have an episode, it's documented. So then when you get later on in life, they pull that folder and that's how they can determine whether you've had behavioral issues or not. Is they're documenting everything from early on. So I know this. So I'm like, okay, manage 
manage your moment. When you feel like this, then here, take these steps so that maybe you don't get to this level where you're throwing chairs. Maybe it's just something verbal. We can manage verbal. What we can't manage at that point is you throwing chairs at teachers mm -hmm. because you become something totally different to them now rather than someone that's just having a rough day because they don't know what you're going through at home or with your emotions. So nah, it was it was a tough time. He was you, not my you know friend. you know you our listeners and viewers are probably saying, what were the things you saying? Let us know so we can use it. You can't just give all this analogy of a shell. You gotta say how. Okay. Um, like the how was implementing a protocol, like whether it's even as something as, as, as cliche as, as counting to 10, when you feel the most aggressive and you feel like shouting and you feel like throwing, here's your protocol, sit down, be quiet, count to 10 to yourself, breathe when you're counting to 10. If you still can't manage it, then, then ask to pull the teacher to the side so that you can explain what's causing the frustration rather than acting out just choose a different action no matter what it is and then not only that but then practice those scenarios at home as well because it's, it's one thing just to tell a kid to do something and they and they don't see it so it's just this imaginary action and a lot of the times what i've even learned about myself is that your message can get lost in your tone yeah, you know I mean, you can be saying all of the right things and have all of the, the greatest intentions in the world. But if all they hear is you fussing, then your message is lost. So it has to be communicated in a certain way. It has to be communicated from a place of love, from encouragement, and then shown to as well. So that way you can start to trigger the effect in the behavior. But if all I'm doing is pointing and yelling or whooping or beating to try to get the message across, well, now you're teaching from a place of fear. And fear only lasts so long because what happens when you become unafraid? You don't care. That's a natural transition from that. But if you're teaching from a place of love, encouragement and positivity, so that then you can get to the reward because if you have this good day, this is the reward for that. Now, if you start stringing up a, a week of good days, now you got a week of good days. Well, then what's the reward for that? So no different than even being in the workforce. Like an employee, you can have a good work day or a bad work day. If you start racking up your good work days, what you get, employee of the week, employee of the month? Well, what's the reward for that? What's the incentive for that? So just establish protocols. Like it, does, it doesn't matter what it is. Have a good day, you get this. Have a good week, you get this. Have a good month, you get this. And we just start stacking the incentive to reward the behavior for implementing the protocol that we put in place. Absolutely. Great detail on that information. Ap activate the protocol yeah. for your kids. I got a question for you now that I talked to with us amongst the chat. You know, sometimes I get a little extra with my questions when I talk to you guys offline, I can be very creative. And I think that might've been one of the reasons you guys are hesitant to come up with me with a live platform because you think I'm gonna ask an insane question. But this is not gonna be an insane question. This is an average question that I want to ask you and I would like you to give me information on. Okay. 
Did you ever get a sex talk? Who or what gave you sex education? Oh, uh, man. No, I did not get a sex talk. It's funny because my mother thought I was a virgin up until the until I was 18. And she found out that I wasn't a virgin because I had marks on my back. But that's a whole nother story. Man. Um, so, no, I did not get a sex talk. Where I learned sex at is this is going to be crazy. So... My, my father liked to drive a lot. We would go out of town. He had a big old truck. We would take trips, right? Well, when you're a kid, nine times out of 10, as a kid, they're not getting you your own room. Now, I'm not going where you think I'm going with this story. But I would stay in the room with my parents. And if they if there was only one bed, if we were in some country bumpkin town, out of town or whatever, there weren't like the double queens that you see now in hotels. Sometimes they just had the one big bed. So my parents would get the bed. I would get the floor. Well, one time out of town, it was time for me to go to bed. So I made my pallet on the floor and where I learned sex from was HBO. Real sex. Mm, I remember they that were show. watching real sex. I was supposed to go to sleep and I peeked from up under the cover on the floor and they couldn't see me. And I watched real sex with them. And that's where I learned sex. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I don't even think my mother knows that. <laughs> Real sex value one, two, three, yes. four. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's yep. where I learned it from. <laughs> Action. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to HBO for teaching yeah, the youth. Man. Yep. <laughs> Let me know what do you intend to tell your son and when do you intend? For oh, before you answer that. Uh, past guest Kevin Cohen revealed to me that at eight years old his mom gave him a sex book and told him to read about it and he said the first thing he did he opened up he said oh biddies like he, he was eight years old but then her giving him the knowledge of of it kind of didn't make it a secret anymore and it, it didn't make it so exclusive it was just something that was regular and it and it treat and made him up his value and went to uh absolutely engage. The reason I asked this question before you answer is because I'm trying to give preventative moments to where we have these situations where we're caught in the court systems or people on both genders, sides of the gender, lay with somebody they really don't want to lay with without really consciously thinking about it. Or the mm -hmm. moment where the man doesn't leave, uh, reach for the condom on the dresser and now you have a baby with someone you don't know because you just wanted to have a good time. That's right. why I asked this question. I feel like we can, if we had these conversations more often, we would think about these things instead of having a primal, a savage right. effect towards something that is not, something that is regular, but it's not a regular topic in our lives. I, you know what, to be honest with you, I don't know, Sheen. I don't know when because and, and here's the thing he might already know if you want me to be honest he may already know just because school today is not what it was when i was in school mm -hmm. and so there are a lot of conversations with a lot of other people's kids who are around whatever situation 
you don't know that the way that I'm anticipating the conversation going is that he's just going to come home one day or we're going to go somewhere in the store and he's going to be sitting in the front seat with me on a tablet or a game and just say something, something crazy. Because my son has a personality to where if it comes in his mind, it'll come out of his mouth, right? Like, there, because there's no filter there. So it'll be a thought and then it'll be a phrase. So I'm assuming that's more than likely the way that it's going to go. Because I didn't learn from having that conversation with my parents. You know what I'm saying? It's not something that was ever just brought up. It was just like even until, like I said, when I was 18, my mother thought that I wasn't doing anything because it was always a secret or like you go do that in the dark and don't ever let it come to the light. So it's just like, what, like, what do you, like, what do you tell your kids? You know what I'm saying? Other than doing damage control of the information that they already learned from out in the world. So if you want me to be honest, that's probably my goal is I'm just going to manage <laughs> the nuclear bomb of information <laughs> that comes in to be like, okay, this is right, this is wrong. Okay, if you're in this situation, because at least once he's aware of it as a concept, <clears throat> then let, let me shape the concept. I don't wanna give you the concept because if I give you the concept, well, what if you're not ready for it? You know what I'm saying? Then what if you start using that information in a poor way? Maybe I introduced it to you before you were ready. But if the world introduces it to you before you're ready, I can at least shape the damage from that to be like, okay, now that you've heard this or seen this or been a part of this, let's let's shape that because that that's your own experience. But I don't, it sucks. And I'm just being honest. I don't want to be responsible for causing the damage. I'd rather just manage it because at least it wasn't my fault that it happened. That's my honest to God answer. <laughs> Hey, as <laughs> we got to stop running from the conversation. That's what you're doing, basically. Listen, yeah, listen. not nah, pretty much. <laughs> hey, man, you 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 putting your hot dog in that bun? I like to say yeah. that all the time because that's how that's how fathers been doing it. We got to change that narrative. That's and let terrible. me say this: Cam West, a friend to the show, he was on the show. He said his parents taught him respect of women and all these things prior to sex education. Hmm. So it made it easier to step into the field and when you teach your kid what to respect and hold high at a high regard. In mm. addition to, you actually get to have a lot of more fun with the things you respect. So Definitely. I think I think that's a great strategy that they implemented because you don't even have to have the big sex talk if you already started character building and leading True. up. And True. it becomes less of a less of a oh man, I gotta have a sex talk with you. And but it's the most natural thing in the world. Don't run from that conversation, man. We're changing the narrative today. Just <laughs> nah, keep the door. Boy, you having sex. <laughs> Dude, yeah, what what was that? Right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, that literally happened to me. Cause like I told you, like once I watched that HBO special, I was ready, had my little girlfriend. I'm trying to I'm trying to rub whatever I could in the house with my mom and she busts in. Boy, that's just for adults. What are you uh -huh. in here doing? Like all kinds of stuff. Yeah, nah, you you're right. Like I said, like she tried to manage the damage control. The damage had already happened after HBO. Like I was good. I was like, oh, <laughs> 
That looks great. Let's try that. Let's do that. <laughs> Real sex, volume three. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I can imagine your eyes being like this. We was like, what? The whole is... time, Shane, whole time. But uh, what was going through your mind? If you can remember. It was, I mean, it was still, it was super informative. Cause I mean, it was still like, it was like a sex documentary of people's experiences and what they talked about and things of that nature. So it just looked like they were just having so much fun. It just felt so good, everything that they were doing. And I'm a pleasure person. So I'm like, it looks like they're having this extreme high. Well, I wanna know what that feels like. It's no different than a drug mm. to a kid at that point. You know what I'm saying? They look like they feel so good. Then I find out that it actually feels as good as it looks. That was it for me. <laughs> that was it for me. That was it for me. You know, the no scary part, than... the scary part is just at your story is that the fact that I'm happy that you were so into HBO, you did not pay attention to what was going on behind you in that bed. There's no yeah. way they're watching, they're watching HBO real sex and not engaging in any fondling uh, activities with small man. noises. Thank you for putting that thought in my mind, team. I appreciate it. <laughs> but hey, you're an adult now. Hey, yeah. listen, listen, it didn't happen because you don't remember it happened. I don't, but, I don't remember it happening that way. Your tunnel vision, it was like a halo was over your head. You couldn't hear nothing. But a <laughs> was lot was going on that yeah. night. A lot. That was my protective shield from yeah, that. Yeah, there was squirrels and raccoons watching it through the window. And they were having fun too. 100%. 100%. Should there be a basic training program amongst men, like a level of education given out where outside of the school system, outside of church, outside of the Boys and Girls Club, in our community, from the men around it and the women around, or we hire people to come in that like older people who retired teachers or something like that to teach financial literacy, communication, how to change a tire, how to change a tie, gardening, generational wealth building like stocks and real estate, just speaking to the elderly with intent of people who have done things and our community really knowing each other because people don't even know their neighbors like that anymore. Do you think right. we can implement anything like that in our communities to uplift so we have a basic level of conversation, of communication? My detailed feeling about that is yes, but it's yes and and no and the no is not a big no i think the yes now stems from it being that we need to implement that because it's a trauma response culturally those things we're supposed to be learning from our fathers our teachers our pastors people that are already staples within our community it should just exist, but it doesn't. So now we have to create what seems to be like this outside system of focusing specifically on those things. Because I've always been a person that I want to do my best to lead by example. So even with the, the, the you know, the, 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 the sex talk and all of that, that we just talked about that. We may not have that conversation, but you know how to treat a woman based off of how I treat your mother. You see what I'm saying? 
learn that behavior and my interaction with her. Of course, if you have any questions, once we get to that part, you know, I'll give you the information and the tools necessary. But we learn <coughs> what we see and what we're constantly around. And so because we don't have those things as staples already in our community and we don't have men already on those things, we don't learn them naturally growing up. And so then my fear is, is that, yes, we can create this outside learning system, but it's going to feel like school. And not everyone really gravitates towards learning it in that way, as opposed to if it was in your natural environment already. Let me let me push back on that a little bit. OK, let's take the topic of financial literacy and let's mm -hmm. take the ignorance of our culture to it because we weren't taught certain things. If we had a domino effect of people who applied themselves to go in early enough to speak to younger kids, we're gonna have to start young and, adult, and then adults who want to be a part of it can make that adult decision. Mm -hmm. But we would start young, maybe 11, 12 years old, and we say, hey, we're gonna get you a stock and what you like. Oh, you like Roblox? You like Nike? We're going to help you get this stock and we're going to watch it grow. Once people see the things, it's like gardening. Once something comes to bloom, you are super excited to plant that dirt, water that flower. And when you see the miracle that happens out of it, when you touch that dirt, when when you make some money off a of stock, when you when you, you go, your, your car goes flat and you help change the tire, there's something rewarding about these things, these intangibles that school church and parents don't have the time or do choose do not choose to not teach right. and each one i feel you can pull something from school the structure of school itself is the source and key to life and what i mean by that is the segments in which you go to school and classes is the formula for you to be successful in goal setting one hour a day, you focus on working out, that's gym class. One hour a day, you focus on science, that's putting together the plan. One hour a day, you focus on mathematics, that is financial literacy. Where you learn how to separate each time in strategic fashion and say, 10 to 11, this is what I'm going to be doing. 11 to 12, right. this is what I'm going to be doing. Now, what happens inside of school and all the nuances and everything, I can see why people can dismiss that. But the actual terms of goal setting and separating the structure of school is great. Church. Church should be a place where we are groomed on a basic level of communication with ourselves and God and being able to hone in on our skills of all side, like for being a usher, being, a, mm -hmm. you know, in the, in the choir or being someone who sweeps up the church. Like we should learn all these things and at the same time we should all be connected with the community to make sure that if we have someone at the church who's a carpenter he is now carpentering for everyone in that church and that keeps right. the money everybody's jobs and attributes keeps the money flowing inside that community and parents the problem with parents is the way i feel big corporations run the world they affect all three. They don't want to teach financial literacy, financial literacy in schools because it might affect their bottom line in the long run if people start putting their money somewhere else. 
instead of blindly spending billions of dollars. Church, they want to secure advertisement and things with these pastors and churches to make sure that some of these things stay in line and stay in place on an underlying advertisement. And parents, these jobs keep you away from your kids 10 hours a day, which you only get three hours a day with your child to try to change, restructure whatever they just learned from everyone else within the last 12 hours you didn't see them every day. Yeah. So I I I know it would feel like school, but if we made it mandatory and even the people that didn't want to learn it, they still know how to buy a stock. They still know how to change a tire. They still know how to walk up somebody and communicate themselves emotionally without getting into a fight. I think all these things would be no. valuable. That I, I I agree with you to a point because you said the word that that really matters the most and that's value a, a lot of the lessons that we learned even me and you growing up we learned them from from organic places that we put organic value into already and i don't know that if at the time as a kid or whatever because if i don't have any value in the church system. If I don't have any value in the school system, I always got value in my friend system. And to a certain degree, I have value in my parental system. I think it needs to come from those two places. I'm on stocks and everything now because of my friends. It's not something that I learned in school. It's not something <coughs> that I learned even from my parents. Cause as you, as you said, even though I was with my parents in school, it was, I'm with my parents at school. And they still have jobs to do and they still got a house to run and so culturally speaking no we don't have those conversations but my friends who then want to see changes in their life they start having those conversations and now i'm like oh okay well why do i even need to be on stocks where's the value in that i have value in them though this is my friend system so i'm organically placing value in y'all's lives and the things that y'all are talking about and then implement them to myself because a phrase that I also live by is you can judge a man by the company that he keeps. And so if my friends are having these conversations and are on these things, nine times out of 10, that's going to gravitate towards me. It's going to trickle down to me so that now I'm on it. You see what I'm saying? So it's, it's tough for me to be, on board with another outside system of people that I didn't grow up with, that I don't have any value in, I don't, I don't identify with you with this information that you're giving me. Yes, your intention is, is great. And so you making it mandatory sounds oppressive to me. <laughs> okay, but, but listen to what I'm saying though. <clears throat> you do it, but it's already been implemented. When we talk and say, we want to be better, and this is what we're doing, and guys get together every day to talk about stock. In our community and with the power of the internet, where we're not close to each other, we're already building that. <coughs> Excuse me. We're already building that community, which I speak of. What I mean by community, even in our neighborhoods, it can be social media bound. Like you said, our kids want to be like us. So if they saw us getting together with people 
and doing certain things in their eyes, we are now their friends to go to them and say, hey, you want to do what we're doing? To speak the value that what you spoke of to make the connection. You are right. I, I You are right about what you said about adding value, not making something so constant that's, oh, you need an education to get this. I respect that and I honor that. That's why I want to have these conversations to weed out what it is we need to do directly to speak to those things. Your dad yeah. taught you chess in fifth grade, right? Yeah. That worked for you in a profound way. Now you can tell another adult who has kids, hey, this worked for me in a profound way. You should implement this. And now the communication and dialect between your kid and their kid has grown because they now share value in something. Right. So they share value in playing chess and share value. Yo, I got the Nike stock is doing good. Yo, I bought three game stocks and I got a thousand dollars from two dollars. Right. No, like I said, I, I agree with you to a, to to a certain point, but I I he taught me chess as much as I wanted to play with him. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it was something that I chose organically from a place that I value. And whatever my dad was on, that's what I want to be on. Oh, my dad's on this. I want to be on this. Like I like I, I want to be with my dad. Like this right. is this is my. You see what I'm saying? It wasn't. You need. You don't know why you need this, but you need this, and you'll and you'll you'll learn later why you need this. Like like that's a. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree with you. What I'm saying is like, okay, if you told me, Shane, teach your son this. You're tapping into my source, and now I have to go find a way to put value and put the the dressing, the icing on it. And if we all continue to talk, we'll find a systematic way to put icing on it for our kids. And then you say it okay. goes back to the parenting. And then after all the men talk, and not just men, we women are included, but we know we're talking about solutions. Now we can take that same mind frame over to the deacons of the church. And now the deacons are like, well. We're going to just slightly talk about this every once in a while. Stocks, trade, financial literacy. And it's going to be beaten in all the kids' heads on every facet of where they go. That's the language we're speaking. And some people are just going to, I'm going to speak that language. Oh, y'all getting money? How y'all getting money? Because listen, people that deal in the stock market make trillions more than people that stand on the corner in that neighborhood. Yeah. It's like we can reverse psychology, make drug selling taboo and great. But to be honest, sitting behind your computer is the easiest hustle it's way yeah. better and it's safer and nobody doing no drive-by viruses on your, your laptop. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> right. But now, nah, but you, yeah, you're right though. But no, nah, I do think that something does need to be in place. I, I would just personally not like to see it pushed upon because, but that's only honestly what worked for me. If it's not pushed upon me and I get to choose it, then I'm adding my own value in it before I even get to it. But if you just bring it to me, I don't want to hear that. Like, you're just telling me something else I need to do. I, on a deeper level, are we really choosing anything? Mm. Especially especially hip-hop music. Because everybody who starts to rap always rap about how they bust their gun first until they find themselves and they make a decision about what they're going to talk about after they be like, man, you might stay the gun route and then you might grow into something else. But everybody starts out with busting their gun when they rap. Everyone. It's just well, a I natural didn't. order of communication of value. If if you look, if if <laughs> if you're being true to who you are, which <laughs> one of you know, the pinnacles of yeah. hip hop, 
yeah. of self-expression, then a lot of people wouldn't do that. But here's but, the thing. People don't know who they are sometimes when they before they start rapping. That's what I'm saying. When you first, I'm talking about you first start. I ain't talking about when you finally make a record and all that. I'm talking about when you first put together a rhyme. You're going to say something that you're going to duplicate what the masses has already been plugging into you, something that you probably didn't have value in anyway. Nah, but I mean, a lot of artists are not just staying true to themselves and, and telling their specific story. Right. Because they right. don't figure it to be cool enough, but that's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother thing. I just said right. <laughs> that's a whole nother <laughs> I want to poll you. I want to talk about the top three things, the criteria you want in a woman. And I want to see if you get the one criteria that I've heard at least three or four guys actually say now, out of many. And I'm shocked that I'm getting good responses, but I want to know subjectively your okay. top three things. This is no wrong answer, but I just like to start the conversation and dialogue on why some people don't include this one attribute. Mm. Uh, probably at the top of the list. Let me be honest for all my friends that will be watching. At the top of the list is sex. But that like sex goes into what I consider my love language, which is physical touch. It's the highest form of expression, right? right. Sex is critical. Um, two would be patience, just because I'm so self-aware, I know myself. And if you don't exhibit an extreme sense of patience with a highly emotional, sensitive, creative type, it's not going to work long term. It's going to be the short term sex <laughs> and then we're going to move on. Uh, so sex, patience and. I would say accountability, like a lot of people don't have accountability either for. <coughs> their actions, their thoughts. And so if you don't have a level of accountability, you can't grow. I'm always holding myself accountable, whether it be mentally, financially, emotionally, things of that nature, because I'm super self-aware. So if you, if I can see that trait of myself within you of accountability and the ability to learn and the ability to grow, everything else will come. I don't, we'll get to the money. Like, you know, because I know like the three major pillars of any relationship or marriage is always going to be like sex, money and religion. But if you don't have accountability in any of those three, all of them fall apart. Like if you're not willing to learn and grow sexually, if you're not willing to learn and grow uh, in your faith, if you're not willing to learn and grow in your finances, then nothing else matters. So you always need accountability. So sex, patience, and accountability. Okay, absolutely, absolutely. I respect that. Now, I, before I give my answer, I want to go dive a little deep on your first answer. You said sex because it's the highest form of physical touch. Yes. Do you really think it's the highest form of, you said communication or physical touch? It's the highest form of physical touch or the highest? No, it's form the highest of, form of expression. The highest form of expression. Do you think it's the highest form of expression or are you saying that because it's your love language? I think it's the highest form of expression. Like what, like, okay, so what other ways can you express yourself, right? Like you can, you can create, right? you can you can give give which is still another form of like i can umbrella it under creation even the love language of touch is creating to me 
sex is the highest form of expression just because of everything that is included in it that isn't seen like it's like these unspoken things happening there's there's trust involved there's uh intimacy that's involved there's the actual physical feeling involved there's just there's 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 emotion like it's just this big cluster of things that are all happening simultaneously that create this wonderful feeling that it's, it's I'm describing it, but it's just so hard to describe. No, no, that was excellent, brother. I, I just wanted you to clarify because I, I didn't want anybody to misconstrue how you feel about the situation. And yeah, I appreciate no, it's, you. it's definitely just a, like a, the highest form of, of, of connection for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. because you're as much as you're <clears throat> physically connecting, you're spiritually connecting, you're connecting through science in ways that you can't even see with the particles and the protons and the neutrons and, and all of that and fluid and all kinds of things going like it's it's so much going on at one time like yeah that's why i consider it to be the highest form of mm -hmm. expression there's nothing that you can do to express yourself to me greater than sex and and it can be true even to how you're having sex because there's good sex there's bad sex like it's 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 all of that so nah it, it, i say sex is number one if the sex is bad, what else are you really gonna do? Now I know there are there are people that prioritize other things other than sex. They make the sacrifice in the sex for maybe something else, finances or um, emotional stability, whatever the case may be. But if the sex is bad, you're not really walking around here totally happy and comfortable with your situation, no matter what it is. So whether you sacrifice it or not, it's at the top. You can have different faiths and religions and still have great sex. <laughs> you can believe in whatever you want to believe, but when you agree in sex, it doesn't matter. Because I can respect your viewpoint and your opinion. You go serve how you want to serve. I'm not on that. But when you come over here and we're serving together, that's all I'm saying. Swing, bada, 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 swing. <laughs> <laughs> Intelligence mm. is the word that most guys don't say in the top three. Now, I get a few guys who said it. Uh, Kevin Cohen, my son, uh, I believe it was Cam West. He didn't say intelligence, but no, 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 no. It wasn't Cam West. It was uh, Shaman Cortez, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but Mr. Shaman Cortez said funny, I believe. Someone said funny, and funny is like the equivalent of intelligence. I can't remember the person who said it, but intelligence is what I kind of look for in that statement. Now, it's always subjective, but every time I say intelligence, guys go back and say, well, it can at least be top five because intelligence is important because you want somebody, when the sex is not available, in the older ages, intelligence right. and conversation is the apex of. If you could put intelligence under the umbrella of the under the umbrella of accountability, though, I think it falls in there to a certain degree. Because if you don't have intelligence, you can't be accountable. Well, someone counteracted me and said they rather have for rather than intelligence, they rather have a woman with wisdom. Mm. 
and which is profound. There's no wrong answer. It's just That's us true. talking about it. So maybe we need to customize or maybe we got it right already. Just as long as we continue to have the narrative and the conversation, we can all grow yeah. each other. There's no wrong answer here for any yeah, of this. Because, I mean, you definitely, like, if you have a woman that's wise, like, there's so much to learn from her and to add to your growth. But that's why I say account like, accountability to me is such an um umbrella term that a lot of things fall under that ability to learn and to grow. You can exhibit wisdom if you have a level of accountability. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. like, you just exhibit so many other traits by just holding yourself accountable to a higher standard of of living, of being, you know what I'm saying? Communicating, whatever the case may be. So it's such a vague, big term, but I can, I can put all that under there. Absolutely, absolutely. We talk about leaving a legacy, but mostly ignore major steps. Do you have a will? No, um, but all of those things are really coming into play now and so it's a kind of get to it more immediate rather than maybe younger on in my life so i've literally had those conversations probably the past within the past two weeks as far as having affairs in order i know like my mother's 77 and she didn't have our affairs in order we weren't starting to have those conversations until things started to get bad health wise you know what i'm saying so Nah, it's it's definitely something to get to sooner than later. Like by the time you're 77 or 80 or 86 or whatever the case may be, however long, you know, you get to live, you don't want to have those conversations and be struggling to do those things <coughs> when you get that age. Cause you don't want that to be the focus. Like your focus needs to be on trying to continue your health as 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 long as you can. But you said something no. there. I feel like a lot of people run. I usually ask, why do you think people run? But since you said that, I want to I know, I want to address that. A lot of people usually run from the conversation because it surrounds death. But wouldn't it be better to have that conversation while you're young and healthy versus your mind yes. is in the back of your mind. You're thinking about, well, I'm 80 now. Then yeah, you start no, thinking about it some more. It, that's the cutting yourself off mentality thing we talked about earlier. No, people, I mean, people run from it. And I mean, even essentially, like, even as a family, we didn't just initially have it. It's a morbid conversation within its essence. So, you know, I get why people don't typically do it. But having gone through it and learning from it, nah, you want to have it as early on and as soon as possible uh, because death can hit you at any moment's notice and you need to be prepared for it rather than it hitting you and you not being prepared now you're scrambling because you're already going to be in a heightened sense of emotional state if death happens to you at any moment family member loved one friend whatever the case may be and i've just learned even in just this last year especially with the pandemic that tomorrow's not promised and your legacy and the things that you leave behind and how the people that are still here after you are able to move forward is super important. Like a death can cripple a family. You see what I'm saying? Because they weren't prepared. They didn't make the right, uh, the necessary adjustments that they need just in case. So well, I get why people run from it. Mm -hmm. but I, think I think people need to make the adjustment of looking at death as an investment. Uh, guest of the show, Cameron Wesley said, 
that his cultural counterparts invest in death. And they look that what they do is they take out insurance policies on their parents, on each other. And our culture looks at it as a death certificate when someone takes insurance out on us being older. But their parents look at it as legacy building. They'll take out a $500,000 policy on their parent, a 10 year thing. And if, 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 if they're called to death or called home, they have money for the funeral. They have money to continue, open up a business, distribute things, continue to leverage the lineage of what all the payback, all the time that person spent away from their family, servicing the world through jobs and everything. Right. So we should look at it as an investment versus look at it as a death sentence. And I think if we, what I believe, what did Dave Chappelle say? If we, if we want them to change the laws, all of us should register to have a gun. Right. Mm. He said that if you wanted to change the gun laws, let all black people register to have a gun <laughs> and they would change the gun laws. Well, right. I think what will help, in my opinion, what will help some of this brutality is all of us had insurance and now these corporations had to pay. That sounds genius. All these corporations will have yeah. to pay for killing us yeah think about it if a corporation had to pay every time a man was murdered a black man was murdered in society by outside entities you're right there's a back end because i always believe in the thing follow the money i love to hear that the nba played because these guys wanted to give the distraction from the pandemic but which is true but a large percent of that was these TV contracts need to get fulfilled. This yeah. money needs to be made. The, the the players at the end of the bench don't get as paid as much as the star. So they cannot afford to not play. So the star has to look at all of that burden and say, I still have to play so everyone else can eat. Yeah. And it's all about and at the at that point, it becomes about the money. Yeah. No, that's one of those things is truer than the other. Like it, it, it's more money generated than it is distraction from the pandemic. So I agree with you there. It's, it's one of those reality check moments to where you have to look at life as a dollar sign. And that's not something that I'm necessarily a fan of. I get the the mindset transition and it just kind of is one of those things where it just it, it is what it is because i guarantee you if it, if it was costing america dollars on every time there was a black life lost it might be a little different as opposed to you know how it is or how it feels now so i agree with you there but whether i guess whether i want to look at it as life is a dollar sign or not it probably is already viewed that way whether i like it or not anyway so so i actually agree with you Amen. Death isn't an investment. Like I never looked at. I've never even heard it said like that. Where that—that's the point of this show, the growing dialogue. I've never heard it that way until Cameron Wesley told me in an interview. And now, almost every interview, I try to say it to my guests because I that want this crazy. to spread around for us to. Now, this is exactly what we talked about about community building. You're going to take this knowledge, and you're going to talk about it with one of your friends. Whether they receive yeah. it is a totally different thing, but it's still. Right, right. The narrative is now changing and lifting in small pockets. 
and you see things a lot differently. As a husband, there's no wrong answer to this question. This is another one of my subjective, quirky, little <laughs> two-sided questions, but be careful that your wife might be watching. No, I got you. Already. <laughs> no, I'm already. just playing. There is no already wrong answer. Here. She won't get mad at any of this because I'm sure whatever the answer is, is already subjective to what you already have. Mm-hmm. As a husband, would you rather have a great woman or a great wife? I say great woman. And here's why. As a woman, it's your accountability level. It's your standard of excellence that you're presenting. A wife is a title, no different than a manager at a retail store. That's all that it is. Your womanhood and the woman that you are is your power. It's it's your level of communication. It's your understanding. It's, it's who you are. It's what you represent. It's who you choose to be. Wife is just a title. You can be a wife, but a piss poor woman. You know what I'm saying? Like your decision making, piss poor as a woman. Your your level of compassion, piss poor as a woman. But hey, you somebody's wife. Mm. That's just, <laughs> like there, like there's no power, there's no value in the in being a wife. Now there may be some perks that you get with it, right? You might get 10% off as, as the manager of this store. Your wife just gets you an employee discount. <laughs> that doesn't matter. What matters is the woman that you are. If you're a great woman, then your title will speak to the woman that you are. The, don't let the title speak for you as a woman. The woman should speak for the title. So now nah, give me a great woman any day. You being a wife is all right. Your employee discount is really high. Good job. <laughs> Good talk. <laughs> Good talk. Good talk. <laughs> Validation from your partner. It's like you win a championship when you meet the right woman. But Mr. Alex Royal, do you defend the title? And what I mean by that is, are you still doing the things she loves? Are you competing with the best versions of yourself? Are you are you just letting go and just say, you know what, I'm going for the dad bot? Are you really mm. trying to stay at the top of your game to defend the title? Let me keep it a hundred with you. I've always had the dad bot. Like <laughs> <laughs> I got caught in between being athletic but still chubby at the same time. <laughs> When you chubby swole. Yeah. And so, and because it never really deterred anybody from doing anything, I never really worked on it. But um, I haven't stopped completely. Like, I'll I'll catch myself within moments and thinking, have I done anything for her? Have I just bought her flowers? Like, the other day, and I'm not tooting my own horn, but literally last week, I just went and upgraded her ring. Just because. Not because it's Valentine's, not because it's Christmas. Just like, you know what? We've been going through a lot. We still rocking. Let me do this. And and I'll have moments where I don't do anything. 
you are what you consistently do. So as long as you consistently have moments of at least still doing something just to remind her of why you chose her, why she chose you, then I think you'd be fine. Like you don't have to just always be, cause I'm not, I told you my love language is not buying gifts. It's not doing those things. I, I get that other people have value in those languages. And so I want to respect them just as much as I want you to respect mine. But no, nah, I'm, I'm, I still, I still do a few things. I'm not great. I'm not perfect. Not great. We got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. Like I, t I take breaks. You know what I'm saying? I pace I myself. Breaks. Yeah. To, you know, but as long as you're still walking and, and, and still moving and, and, and doing something, then I, I think that that's okay. Like it's, it's, it's not like it was to try to get her. Definitely not. But Yo, we, we need to, hey, listen, listen, LeBron trying to win a title every year. So should you. Yeah, and, and that's all I'm saying, man. Just like I'm not gonna give it my my hardest at the beginning of the season, but when we get closer to the playoffs, I'll step it up. <laughs> I'll step it up. <laughs> okay, I hear you. I hear you. Get closer to the playoffs. Yeah, we get I can't to wait till the, the women hear what the responses are to those questions because I want to get, I want to hear from them. I want to hear them comment, see them what they say, to reaction to what these what these men are saying. That'd be dope. Subjectively. When should a man, from your opinion, get serious about a woman? From the beginning. If you're and I'm and and I, I get that there's always there's a process to dating. But if you value your time as an investment, then you should be serious from the beginning because you don't you don't want to invest in a stock that you know you're going to lose money in from the jump. Mm. So you will take losses, but your approach to the investment needs to be serious from the beginning. So even when my son starts dating, whenever that is, Understand that you're you're going to invest in some stocks, you're going to lose some money, but then you'll learn from that so that you can invest better the next time. What's more important to you the next time or the next time from each situation, you need to grow and learn. So that way you become an investment manner. Now I know where to put my time. Now I know how to invest my time. You see what I'm saying? So now from the from the very, very beginning you need to take her seriously. If it is not something that you feel like <coughs> you need to be investing your time in, if you're going to lose time, then you may not want to be doing that. Because what happens is, is you become a series of those moments to where you're just like, I'm just dating, I'm just having fun, right? That becomes your habit. So now you're just practicing the art of losing money and losing time and not building up the habit of looking at it like I'm investing within this woman, within these personality traits that I like, within these body styles, whatever it is that I'm attracted to. If you start building up the habit of, of wasting money and, 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 and wasting time, you'll look up 30 years have passed, you're still doing the same thing. So from the very beginning, you need to take her seriously. Could I see myself investing in this long-term? Whether we do it or not, will be left up to how the investment goes. But my approach needs to be serious from the jump. 
I don't care what age. Even if you have gains and losses, losses are gains and gains are gains. When you get that experience in that particular stock, you can now take those gains and knowledge of loss and your gains mm-hmm. and upgrade to the highest stock. Yep. And you heard Gabrielle Union say, I can't quote her, but she says, it's very healthy for everyone to go through a lack of a better term, whole phase. Now, do you need to go through a actual sexual indications to find yourself no but mentally you should have some type of multi uh experiences with conversations with people and learning from others so you can learn who you are also and learn the things that you can apply i think that's the same thing what you're saying about stocks yeah definitely like learning losses are going to come it doesn't matter what you do you don't start out perfect in anything but the value is in your approach. If you take it serious from jump, you may get it right this first time. You actually may get lucky or blessed or whatever it is that you want to call it on investing this and it lasts you long-term. It's everything that you wanted. You, you've grown with it. You've taken losses with it and then came back and gained more. But as long as you approach it with the with the right mentality of like, this is my time investment. I'm investing my emotional stock into this person. I'm investing my time stock into this person. And then learn from that, then I I think it'll be fine. But yeah, you get from the very beginning, man. Like, cause you just don't want to wake up and you're still practicing the having fun or not taking <coughs> seriously habits later on. Cause now you have to learn late which you should have been practicing from the beginning. Absolutely. I came up with something called operating at 100%. And what I mean by this, what I mean by that is I took five categories, purpose, mm-hmm. health, confidence, money, and knowledge. Purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. Purpose meaning you're living in your purpose, working every day to strive towards your best. Health is you're praying, meditating, eating right, working out, exercising. Confidence, you're doing without any fear, intimidation. Money, you made a little money, invested a little money, saved a little money, gave to a charity. And knowledge, you took in some new information. So within the last 24 hours, with each one representing 20%, purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. Mr. Alex Royale, out of the last 24 hours, how much of 100% have you been operating out of? Um, purpose probably will be the lowest on the list respectfully only because it's been more so financial management and that's with stocks and and things of that nature and working Um, eating better is growing <laughs> the way that my sleep schedule is. I eat like trash. So I'm not gonna lie to you, <laughs> but but it's not as trash as it used to be. So <laughs> it's getting better. So like it, it in, instead of you know maybe overly sugar here or whatever. Like we, we cut some things out. We're getting better. Moments catching. Gotcha. Progress. Um, 
what was working you said you have uh confidence money knowledge purpose and health so you said purpose Man. you said health confidence are you doing confidence. things confidence without fear did you exhibit any fear oh yeah confidence is probably the highest on the list even if it's unwarranted so that's probably if i let's see if it's finances i'll say it's 20 working 20 confidence you gotta put like at that like 30 percent confidence <laughs> <laughs> only because i'm i'm not able to do anything if i'm unsure right so yeah. confidence is always my driving factor even beyond the unknown that like you just you just gotta go you just gotta believe so the only reason why i say purpose is so low is because i haven't confidently chosen what it is that i want to do next mm. so that's why that percentage is so low but it's it's not a bad low it's just a cautious low and that these other places are just organically and naturally at a high percentage so that's the only reason why that would be the lowest on the list. But yeah, nah, confidence every day, man. Every day you get up, you got to go knock it out. It's people dependent upon you. You got to get it done. Okay, okay. So what about now? You said knowledge, money, all of that is 20%. It sounds like yeah. you, sounds like you're about 85, 80%. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, I challenge you to hold on to those things if you want to. You can subjectively, some people say consistency should be in there. And you should add or take away things and give yourself a weekly average and you'll see how much you're moving forward in life towards your endeavors. I can dig that. Dig it. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You are now part of the Silhouette Boys Club. It is people like you who move in the shadows to help people like me shine. Now, before you go, we love to get referrals for the show. Is there anyone you would like to see come on this show, drop these gems and answer these questions today? Definitely. You know who I'm going to say, man. You need to get my brother, Dot Leonard <laughs> Jones, a.k.a. Dot. Get him on here, man. Get him on here. He, hey, Dot. Definitely. We are coming for you. I would like you definitely. to connect us with Dot. Mr. Leonard Jones, we need you on the show. Gotcha. I'll make it happen, man. Now, is there any information you'd like to give out about your photography, about your music, about anything you want to give social medias today? Um, I recently made a, uh, a transition in my creative medium. I sold my company and my logo. So I'm working with a new company now. Um, it's called Vaint, V-A-I-N-T. And we're gonna move in a direction that I'm that I'm excited about, a very more artistic direction. And the reason why I did it was because I I didn't want to be the face of the brand anymore. I've done that. I built up the brand of Alex Royal as a photographer. I built up the brand of Alex Royal or the many pseudonyms of names that I've had in being an artist. And I just wanted to be able to create from a from a I, ideal anonymity type of feeling. And so once I got in contact with them, they told me about the, cause they just liked the logo and were just like, yo, we just, we want this and we want you to be a part of it. And so it's a new company, it's, just, it's, a, it's a startup, but the artistic direction 
and where they're going i like and so i would just like let what i've created represent what you got going on and then i just get to be an artist and work with a company that'll handle all the the, the legal and the business side and all of that <clears throat> you know as an artist once you start dealing with the business and all of that it becomes too much to manage sometimes and takes away from the artistic vision and so now i get to do that so that's just up and coming man like it's, it's nothing that's out right now but it's, it's definitely what i'm working on in the near future any social medias you like to drop uh man you can follow me at alex royal that's a-l-u-x-r-o-y-a-l on instagram and then um you'll see the vank thing coming man like they got a page but it's coming so don't even worry about it but yeah definitely get at me alex royal on instagram a-l-u-x-r-o-y-a-l well, I appreciate you, sir. It was a pleasure interviewing you. Man, thanks for having me, sir. No it, was, problem. it was an honor and a privilege. Oh, no problem. For those listening, you can reach me at solutions for G at solutionsformen at gmail.com to be a guest on the show. Also at Shame One on all platforms. Let's continue this conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or Clubhouse. We end today with a quote from Dr. Miles Monroe. True success is not measured by how much you have done or accomplished. It's not compared to what others have done or accomplished. True success is what you have done compared to what you could have done. In other words, living to the maximum is competing with yourself. It's living up to your own standards and capabilities. Success is satisfying your own personal passion and purpose in pursuit of personal excellence. Question of the day, question of your life. Are you maximizing your life? Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Solutions.